All right, everybody. What's up? Welcome back to the Black Dog Sports Podcast. Today, it's just going to be me and Derek taking it. Uh, taking it. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no AJ. Uh, we don't have uh, Coach Bill on here, so it's just going to be us two. And I don't know if Ricardo going to join us at any point. Today, we do have a guest calling in. Uh, a guy I used to do a podcast with, the shop with Jay Short and Steven. Well, I guess it was M. Smith at the time. Steven B. Smith now. He's a touchdown Alabama. So we're going to have him come in and talk about Tyrell Shavers. So I'm, I guess technically, uh, Derek, let's go ahead and shoot a little bit to Derek, the senior member, I guess, of the podcast today mm-hmm. still. Yeah. So, Derek, just tell us how you're feeling, man. I'm doing all right, and uh, Steven is ready, so just let me know when you're ready for me to do that. Um, man, just want to pray for everybody. Uh, you know, we got a lot going on in our society um, with not just COVID, but with, you know, continued police brutality, protests, and um, – you know, just want to pray for everybody that, you know, everything is good in your life. And if you, if, if your family is dealing with COVID, pray for healing. Just, just better days, man, you know? Right. Man, I, I kind of agree with that. Um, and I'm kind of excited or, you know, really want to, looking forward to kind of to continue to talk about What's going on in America right now? It does seem like it is a paradigm shift, and we're talking about some different things. So, and it seems like the world is changing right before our eyes for many reasons. So I am looking forward to really just discussing that tonight. But before we get into that, we got to discuss some Mississippi State-related talk first and discuss a little football. And then Derek's going to share a few news items with uh, some baseball players and some women's basketball players. Um, let me know so, when you want me to add Stephen, too. All right. So first, we're going to start off with Tyrell Shavers coming to Mississippi State. And what do we think that means? And then you can go ahead, I guess, ask Stephen now, and then we'll, um, we'll kind of discuss, and then we'll ask him what we're getting in Tyrell Shavers. So, so Derek, tell me, what do you think we're kind of getting in Tyrell Shavers? What do you think his impact on our wide receiver rotation next year? Well, I mean, he, he's been at Alabama for three years, so we know he's a – I could, he graduated in three years, so excuse me. So we know that he's an intelligent young man, uh, based off looking at his scouting. He's a high, highly rated four-star athlete. Just hadn't really played more than special teams at Alabama, but hey, you know he's a four-star recruit that Alabama wanted, and. I'm hoping that he can give us a big, fast target for our new air raid offense. So I guess we'll see once practice gets ready to start. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I went back and looked at some of his high school high, highlights, and then obviously he hadn't been very productive at Alabama, and so he hadn't played so far. So we don't really know what we're getting 100%. We know he's a guy that was highly rated coming out of high school. Just look at some of his high school stats. He wasn't highly productive in high school. But he does come with a world of potential. Obviously, he didn't pan out of Alabama, but you know, if you go back and look at the recruiting class that he was in, he was in a recruiting class with a lot of very talented guys. So I think you really have to kind of look at that. That he was in a recruiting class with a lot of talented guys. So I do think it might have been a situation he got kind of lost in the shuffle. You know, you're in front of three guys that are first round caliber talents, legit. So it could have just easily got lost in the shuffle. And so maybe just looking for a fresh start here at Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we're waiting on Steven this audio to connect. But, yeah, I, I hope he's able to help us because, you know, our previous offenses under Dan Mullen, 
and then under Coach Jamorehead, we hadn't we have not had uh, a a consistent deep threat at wide receiver. Now we're gonna have to find one uh, in the Mike Leach air raid offense. Someone, be it Shavers, be it Osiris, continuing his arc, be it a young freshman that has yet to, you know, or young, I guess we call a young pup, uh, you know, getting ready to get his get his paws wet and maroon and white. I don't care who it is, you know. Under Joe Moorhead, we kind of went went with a certain rotation. I I would love to see a platoon of wide receivers, you know, that can tire out defensive backs and, and, and just be able to allow us to go up and down the field with Kylan running it and catching out the backfield and KJ Costello throwing those position passes all over the field. So I don't care who was our leading receiver. You know, I just want someone to catch the darn ball. That's all I care about. Don't want to see the ball on the ground. Don't want to see it flipping off your fingers. I want it in your hands. Tuck it, run it, score it. What's going on, Steven? I'm good. So Y'all see me? Yeah, yeah we, we can get see you. Oh, now we can't good. We don't want to see that touchdown Alabama background. It's ugly. <laughs> oh, we definitely know that is ugly. <laughs> that Alabama Crimson Tide uh, setup you got back there. Yes, yes, yes. Might oh, so, so you have that as your virtual background, the touchdown Alabama thing? Yeah, that's kind of the virtual background thing. I wasn't trying to be offensive or anything. Yeah. So. I mean, we don't mind seeing it. I mean, we, you know, you, you, you're a friend of the show. We can't help that you you know, just happen to, you know, uh, cover a team that has been beating us up lately. But we think that's going to change, hopefully, this year. You know. <laughs> well, if Alabama can fail the team next year with all those guys getting COVID. <laughs> well, we're going to hope those young men get healthy as well. So. All right. So, Steven, so Steven, just tell us what we're getting in Tyrell Shavers. Obviously, he ain't played much at Alabama. So, just kind of give us a scoop on what happened there and why he ended up leaving. Alabama. I mean, I kind I kind of hate he's gone to be honest with you because I literally had him sort of sort of a pencil down as one of the guys that was going to break out, you know, on this roster in this rotation. I mean, he's six six, two twenty, you know, long, lengthy, athletic, runs smooth routes, can catch the football, can high point it. I remember at a high school competition he was at in Texas, he ran a verified four three eight forty. So he's got speed. Kind right. of reminds me of, of Cam Sims when Cam Sims was at Alabama, but uh, injuries, you know, kind of took him. And Shavers played in, you know, he, he, played, he played in some games last year. He only had one catch. It was tough for him to try to break a rotation that had Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle, all those guys in there. And now with this upcoming season, you've got Waddle, Devontae Smith, Slate, Bowden, John Mechie, Xavier Williams, among other guys. So Shaver's kind of seen the talent there that he's going to have to fight against and already have his degree. You know, he knows he's got two years of eligibility to play. And to be honest, I, I think he would be sort of the poor man's version of Deronya Wilson. You know, God rest that young man's soul and how special he was at Mississippi State. So when I look at, you know, Shaver's, he's kind of that poor man's version. Now, he can probably run a couple more routes than Duranya was able to, but the physicality is pretty much basically there. The ability to catch the football from a K.J. Costello. So 
you would kind of be a poor man's Bear Wilson. So why do you think he ultimately ended up deciding to leave Alabama? Like, why do people feel? I know it's another young man that left. I'm trying to think of his first name, last name Towson. Chadarius Towson. Chadarius Towson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's What's crazy is, and uh, going back to once again this whole thing with the transfer portal, when the transfer portal has given those these young athletes the opportunity to kind of see from this mindset, if I go to a school and if I'm not popping by the first two years, or if the coaching staff is not seeing me, you know, the first two years. But I got to get somewhere where I know I got to get some playing time in here. And, and not only just that, it's also the idea of freshmen, incoming freshmen nowadays in college football are way better than what they were two and five and 10 and 15 years ago because the training's better, the coaching's better, the technology's better, the workouts are better, the camps are better. These young men are coming to these colleges knowing, you know, what they want to do how fast they want to do it, and how quickly they want to get to the league. And in this 2020 class for Alabama, you know, these guys are coming in hungry, pushing any and everybody out the door. So I'm hoping that you know, Alabama doesn't get any more people in this transfer portal. But Terrell Shaver is going to Mississippi State. Uh, Mike Leach has got a good one. K.J. Costello has a good one to throw to. Uh, the young man can play the game. So tell us a little bit about some of the guys coming in. I mean, it's a Mississippi State show, but – Kind of speak to some of the guys that I got coming in that may be leading to some of these four-star guys, I guess, transferring out. Because the only one that happens, that must mean some beasts coming in. I mean, first and foremost, off the bat, you got a wide receiver in Javon Baker out of McEachern High School in Georgia. I mean, the guy's a freak show. You know, six one, six two, catching everything. And what, what was funny was I got a friend of mine that's close to Fidarian Mathis, who is a defensive lineman, you know, on the roster, and Fidarian Mathis is looking at Javon Baker, and he's looking at the offense going, who's that guy? Oh, he a freshman? Javon's left here. <laughs> this is Fidarian mm -hmm. Mathis, you know, talking like this. So you got Javon Baker coming in here. You got Bryce Young, who's finally got on campus, starting to get some reps in there, you know, with the ones, learning the, the, the chemistry and the camaraderie of the group. So, no, he's involved. You got a couple of offensive linemen, one being J.B. on Cohan. Now, I'm not sh – I, I don't think he will play a lot this year just due to the depth and the rotation and the talent that's on this offensive line. But J.B. on Cohan, another guy that's, that's getting his, his timing in there. And then, you know, defensively, you got guys on the defensive line, uh, big Tim Smith, big Jamil Burroughs, you know, Will Anderson, who's here as well. So, there's about five to six freshmen – that you definitely want to keep your eye on. I know a lot of people like to say, well, Bama don't play true freshmen. Bama don't love them boys. But Coach Saban since 08 has never shied away from putting young cats on the field. I mean, he's always yeah, I don't, said. I don't, I, don't, I don't get that because Alabama's played freshmen a lot. Like, matter of fact, I don't. That's, I, mean, that, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, since, since 08, Saban's mantra has been, if you big, if you bad, if you can learn what we try to tell you, we're going to put you on the field and give you an opportunity to be successful. So, right. and, so and here comes so, – yeah, go ahead. So, with all these superstar freshmen coming in, do you anticipate – of course, we're, we're, all, we're full for this year. So, you know, 
I mean, we know uh, even though they didn't work out at Alabama, maybe they could re resurface or reshape their career at Mississippi State. So who do you think is going to be the next former highly rated um, <laughs> Alabama to transfer or want to transfer because of playing time? And if they chose to come to Mississippi State, what kind of impact do you think they would make? If, if so, Chadarius Towson is already in the pool now. Mm -hmm. So if Towson was to go to Mississippi State, I could see him. Remember the wide receiver? Was it Derek Pegues? No, Derek Pegues was a safety. It was a safety, okay. So, uh, but when I look at Chad Towson, Towson and Mississippi State would be a really good slot slash shake returner, pump returner. He would be an electrifying return man. I'm telling you that right now. He would he would have the cowbells clanging hard in the kick and the pump return game because this was a guy out of high school, ten or high in Alabama, that was big time speed, big time blur, just a burst of explosiveness upon him, you know, getting his hands on that football. And uh, this is kind of one of the things that sort of bothers me about how Coach Saban does things is he likes to fluctuate guys. He would recruit you at wide receiver. And if, you're too, if it's too much of wide receiver, he'll throw you at running back. I mean, he'll throw you in the secondary. And you never really get the opportunity to kind of just develop and learn a set position. So that was kind of the issue with Chad Towson. He never got that chance to really kind of say, okay, this is my home. This is the spot I'm learning here. And I feel like if he was to go to Mississippi State, Mike Leach would give him that chance to grow and develop at wide receiver because the guy's got hands for days. And, he, and Mike Leach would also give him a chance to grow and develop in the special teams game. Well, I think right. with, with Townsend, I think the thing is right now is more of having a scholarship. Obviously, I don't think we're in a position to turn down a four-star caliber receiver. Then I'm saying our receivers aren't good, but we're not in a position really to deny a guy like that, especially if you can just come in and be a rotational guy. I think it's fair to say he's good enough to do that in a spread system. I think right now we don't have a scholarship, so you have to create that scholarship. Are you really willing to create a scholarship for this guy? If he's not a superstar or a star player, are you willing to do True. that? So, I, mean, so I and, think that's and, and that, yeah, and and that's and, and Jay, that's that's the big question. It's how much does Mike Leach see him as a superstar? Because you've got the superstar quarterback in KJ Costello, right? We got then, and so Terrell Shavers will give you the superstar receiver, especially with the size Hope at six foot superstar. six. Hope to be okay, superstar receiver at six foot six. But the question would be, you know, with Chad Towson. You know, would he fit in Leach's scheme of the air raid scheme? Would he fit in Leach's scheme of, you know, being explosive out there in space? Now, as of right now, if another guy, you know, was to transfer out of the University of Alabama program, I could see it maybe being a guy on the defensive side. Maybe cornerback? Maybe, not, not a cornerback. Maybe a defensive lineman or a linebacker. Not necessarily a corner. Though I would not rule corner out, but more so what I'm hearing is potentially defensive lineman, maybe a linebacker. Well, I think what you're seeing now with a lot of teams, and even with our program, they even said there would be a little bit of an attrition. Obviously, had a few guys transfer, and it didn't turn out to be exactly as deep as it. I think the Jerry and Jones one turned out to be a major, I guess, the most drama. But I think he, <laughs> he, he's probably even looking like he has egg on his face right now because I think his intention was to go to Ole Miss and 
I think because of potential. And I'm I don't know all the details. So I'm not gonna pretend I know, but I do think it had a lot to do with a potential NCA investigation or tampering uh, charge. So he ended up not going to Ole Miss, even though that, I'm pretty sure that's where he wanted to go. So now he's kind of in a tough position uh, to. You know, he ended up having, I guess I don't even think he's officially went to Florida State yet. Yeah, he so. he's 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 with them. Okay. When they had all the drama with Norvell and that saying he contacted all the players and got caught on a big lie, you know, <laughs> and Judas, he was like, I'm with you, coach. You know, I said I, I said I wasn't gonna call him Judas Jones no more. So you so you went from one Jerry person that was, so you went from one person that was calling a racist to another person that was calling a racist. You will go so, from one person that called the racist to Ole Miss, who the Rebels, and then you go to oh, never mind. He but but uh, what's, what's, so 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 what's crazy here is guys is I know my man was talking about defensive back could Mississippi State possibly mm-hmm. get a corner from Alabama. Keep this name in mind. He hasn't made a decision yet. He's been in this portal for you know months now, and that Scooby Carter, the four star out of Texas, he's been in this portal. So. There would be your defensive back if Mike Leach was to choose to get him. This was a very high four-star, 6'1", 190, got length, loves to jam, loves to be aggressive, got great hips, loves to break on the ball. So if Leach could make a move to pull Scooby Carter out of there, that would be your corner. Yeah, I don't want want this to turn to a thing where we're just getting out of that guys. Where did Nigel not end up, though? Nigel, Nigel, not end up going to East Carolina. <laughs> okay, okay, so, that tells you a lot. But um, I, I mean, I don't want to turn to we just getting guys from Alabama. Obviously, we've got Scott Lashley, and then we we just recently got. And, and, and he, I, I'm Kyra telling you, he, I'm telling you, he's going to be good. He is going. We to be only got good. him for one year, though. But but but, he, but even the one year you're talking about, he can play at left tackle, right tackle. The kid's a marvel. Like I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good one. He yeah, would have been a four-year starter at Mississippi State if he came here. I'm I glad to have you. I think he's a guy that probably just chose the wrong program. Alabama probably wasn't the right fit for him. Uh, he's and a guy. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I, I think he, he – I mean, that's the thing about Mississippi State. It's not to say we're a lower-tier program or anything like that, but it's a small-town school. A small-town school is not the big, you know, program like that. And a guy like a Scott Lashley could have went to Alabama and just got lost. I mean, it does have sure. some guys. Some guys just don't have that mentality. You know what I'm saying? But you got to look. The guy like Raycon Davis, he's from Meridian. Meridian's kind of like the city a little bit. Kind of has more of an edge to it. You know, Scott Lashley's from West Point. West Point's a little small town. I'm from the GTA, just like he is. So it's kind of I'm from that area. So it's a small bunch of small towns. So I, I think it's. I, I don't know everything that went on in Alabama, but if you're saying he was a good player, sometimes you get lost in the shuffle because obviously Alabama. True. If you, if you don't yeah. pan out your first year and they have to redshirt you, they're going to bring in somebody they can recruit over you. And, and, and they, they, yeah, and, and that's and, and that's the scariest thing because, like I said, nowadays these young these young athletes they got a mindset of I'm trying to get out the mud three years off to the NFL. I'm trying to take care of my dad, grandma, whomever, also myself. Cousin Derek. So, <laughs> cousin Derek too, like. They're trying to get three years and then off to the league. So, and they mind is when I get on this campus, I'm going to pop now. Because if I don't pop now, I get, you know, two or three recruiting classes buried on top of me. I got tree trunks growing out of my feet, man. I got to do something. Because <laughs> it's going to come to a point where, as you said, Jay, you kind of get lost in the deck of cards and people start to quickly forget about you a little bit. So, I mean, 
Yeah, so I, I can't think of any times yeah. Alabama where guys lost his position and was able to come back later on. I mean, that don't happen to a lot of programs, but no. you know, see, it happens more um, at some programs. But Alabama, you know, once you get recruited over, a guy kind of takes your spot. I mean, them coaches make those decisions because you look what happened with Tua. Jalen Hurts was a all SC college player, offensive SC yeah. uh, rookie of the year, all that good stuff. And then he goes out there and the kid outplays him, and then he never gets his spot back. And he ends up being a guy that gets drafted in what was it, the second round, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. So, come on, man. Like, I, but then, but but then, but then, what sucks worse is like for the ones that get injured, like for the ones that get injured, that they start off the year well and they get hurt, and you know somebody else comes and takes their spot, and and that spot's gone. Like I remember, uh. Alabama had a four-star kid at running back, B.J. Emmons, out of North Carolina. And B.J. was supposed to be the real deal. And, you know, 2016, he, you know, hurts his foot three games in. And lo and behold, Josh Jacobs takes over. And you never hear from B.J. again. Right. That's how Alabama is. So, kind of bring to the club. Stephen, I just want to, man, just thank you for joining us today. I mean, that was a really good discussion just about, not just about Tyrell Shavers, but about some of the other guys that potentially – are coming to Mississippi State or could come to Mississippi State and then some of the guys that are already here, a little Scott Lashley talks. I, mean, I just want to thank you, man, and just keep doing your thing, touching on Alabama. Uh, I've been watching from afar now that, you know, since we was able to reconnect, man, just proud of – it's been a long time since we did that uh, podcast together, so – a radio show together, so, man, just proud of the work you've been putting in. I mean, absolutely, man. Appreciate you, Jay. And Cousin D, do your thing, Cousin D. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all take it easy. All right, All right. So, so I mean, that was an interesting discussion. I mean, you know, talking about you know the guys that we could have coming in, the guy that we have coming in. I mean, and like you kind of said, we don't want to say we want to all Alabama transfers, but if these guys are going to get in the portal and if we have room, are they too good for us not to go for Jeremiah? I mean, we don't yes. want to. We don't want to say we're the land of Bama rejects, but what if these young men come to Mississippi State and restart their careers and help us beat Alabama? Yeah, I mean, they're good enough. I mean, I think, like, at that receiver position, like, a guy like uh, Kadarius, uh, Chadarius Townsend, like, if you get a guy like that and you have a scholarship available, you have to, like, bring him on because look at our slot position right now. I think the only guy I really feel like is going to really do well at that spot right now is Devontae Payton. Outside of him, I can't really – speak to anybody else with having a significant impact. Austin Williams, we've been waiting on him for two years now. I still had not happened. So I think, like, you get a Chadarius Towns in that spot, yeah, I think you do take him. Because, I mean, talent-wise, he at least is good enough to be in the rotation. I think you have to take a chance on that. But if you ain't got a scholarship, I don't know if you disrupt the chemistry of your team by bringing in some other guy. We saw what happened with Tommy Stevens last year. The fact that bringing in a Tommy Stevens the way that Moorhead did, a guy like that would have to pan out and be really good, even though he got drafted. I feel like, you know, it obviously disrupted the chemistry of the team. Uh, I don't know if we would have won any more games regardless, but at the same time, you have to really be conscious about those decisions. You can't get too happy about it because guys can start thinking, like, what, you don't think we're good enough? You got to bring in all these Alabama dudes that couldn't cut it there? I think you just got to really be conscious of that. You're right. I I agree. But some of these guys aren't good enough to play. Like, I think Tyrell Shavers fits kind of – I don't think he starts, but you're looking at Malik Heath and uh, Cyrus Mitchell and then I forgot who else is on the outside. Um, you got Cam Gardner and you got Dante Jones. You got a couple guys on the outside. So I think, you know, you add him to that mix. I mean, he's going to be in that rotation, but I don't necessarily think – I think Osiris Mitchell and Willie Keith are going to be all starters. 
All right, so let's kind of let's move, move on a little bit and just talk about just transfers in general coming to Mississippi State. So, Derek, do you think, like, the transfer market is going to – I guess the transfer market, kind of almost a new free agent market, is going to be a little bit more uh, – we're going to be a little luckier with that this year. Obviously, last year we had Tommy Stevens. I just mentioned him. It didn't work out the way, of course, Morehead wanted to work out. Maybe fans thought it was going to be that way the whole time. Isaiah Zuber, they never really seemed to be able to find a spot for him and get him in the rotation. The punter didn't even have eligibility though. It just seems like it didn't. <laughs> and it didn't even. I mean, he didn't. So I mean, it, it just didn't work out for us last year. So do you think it'll be a little kinder to us this year? I certainly hope so. I mean, right off the bat, Thomas Stevens versus KJ Costello. You know, you're gonna point the greater than sign at KJ Costello because looking at just their careers, Thomas Stevens can't hold a counter to KJ Costello. You know, um, Scott Lashley, you know, coming in, um, you know, career backup at Bama, but he's a guy we really wanted. I think he's going to help us. Um, who else do we get? Uh, we did get some kickers. we got some special teamers. So hopefully those young men can help us as well in that, in that part of our game. Um, that's how I, can, I don't have them in front of me right now. But I think that this year's transfers – are going to be better than last year's quarterback-wise, one hundred percent. So I can't wait, can't wait to see uh, our team get him get on the practice field and get some practice updates and you know get some film of the airway array being implemented. I, I'm just excited, man. You know, yeah. Bulldog football is in the air. I think, as you said, Katie Costello is way is definitely way more proven. Obviously, as a resume. He's a guy I think I feel pretty comfortable in saying that he's going to come probably an all-SEC quarterback. I mean, I feel that we're lucky and blessed to get a guy that's projected first round. Like, you just – that doesn't normally happen. I mean, Russell Wilson had a pretty stellar career at NC State before he transferred to Wisconsin, but he only got drafted in the fourth round. And that still was a shaky situation that he ended up at Wisconsin to begin with. So, to get a guy that's going to be a projected first rounder, that just doesn't happen. Right. You know, Joe, Joe Burrow evolved into that at LSU, and I still think that has more to do with the talent around him. But at the same time, like, I, we looked up and got him. But I think Leach coming in gives us a little bit of initial pop and cachet. But you get a Costello. Now you get a guy like Tyrell Shavers, even though he had a few people looking at him. Baylor. So, obviously, people thought he still had talent to come to a Mississippi State. Obviously, he, uh, you know, sees that opportunity playing the air raid. Because even if you don't start, you're going to get yards. He at least knows he's going to. He's going to get he gonna get to play. <laughs> yeah, he's going to play. Even if he's a guy, for understand, I, I remember, I think Steve Robertson said somebody maybe don't have the most extensive route tree. But, I mean, we made that work even with Stephen Gidry. If he can give us what Gidry gave us as a backup, I'll take that. You know, being a no guy six drops. <laughs> well, let's just say I hope he's a little better than Gidry <laughs> in, that, in that respect. But at the same time, you know, if he can give us that, be a 6 six guy, you throw the fade to him, a red zone threat, I mean, he can be valuable. He gets numbers. And then, you know, spend two years here and then go to the, get a chance to go to the NFL with those tools. He's a guy that might get a look if he puts up decent numbers. So I think he's looking – his opportunity to do that is higher at Mississippi State. In fact, we just throw the ball a lot. He's going to get the ball thrown toward him. So, I mean, it just makes sense. That's why Costello's going to come. He's going He knows he's going to push 5,000 yards. A guy like Tyrell Shaver comes. He knows he's going to – he's going to, you know, get a chance to get the ball thrown his way. And he has a chance. I don't know if he feels he has an opportunity when you start, he'll definitely be in the rotation, possibly our number three outside receiver. So I, I, I definitely um, see where he was coming from with that. And, and just with the, like Scott Lashley, I think he'll definitely be in the rotation. And who's the other kid? Um, 
Uh, we got Jay Banks Jr. Oh yeah, wide receiver. Yeah, and it's somebody else too. I'm trying to. Von Banks' older brother. Yes. Um. And he he's had two years as well. And then at the same time, you have uh, uh, who's that other guy? I keep going drawing blanks. But I really, who's the other trainer? Oh, the kicker, Brandon Ruiz. So I think I think the thing is too. I think those transfers don't have as high as expectation level. Some of the guys are brought in as backups potential. So I don't think we really expect much. And I think Costello is proven. So I, don't, I think we'll, it'll be a little better because it won't be much expected from him. But we expect we, – I thought Zuber was a day one starter, in my opinion. I thought he would start. I thought he would potentially be one of our top two receivers. But it didn't work out that way. And Tommy Stevens obviously had injury issues and caused all that drama. And, you know, him playing and that decision to bring him is, in is one of the things that possibly cost him his job. So, I mean, it ended up being a pretty big deal. So let's so Derek, you know, as we transition, um, I wanted you kind of just uh, share some just um, I guess MSU news. Uh, okay. Put some, some players that got drafted and some young ladies that have committed to the Bulldogs. Well, uh, in football, we have committed the number one inside linebacker. I'm gonna try to pronounce his name, Navin Tech Strong, out of Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. <laughs> I mean, that name just. Nevin, Nevin Tech or Nevin Teak. I mean, mm-hmm. hey, welcome to the Bulldog family. You know, make sure you stay committed and sign on signing day. As far as in Major League Baseball, uh, right now I'm seeing three former Bulldogs um, have been drafted the first in the first round. Justin Foscue uh, by the Texas Rangers. Uh, the, in the CBA round, Jordan Westberg by the Orioles and JT Ginn in the second round by the New York Mets. He was a junior? Who, again? Yeah. A four-year, he's a sophomore. Hmm? So, you know, and the pick value for Foskey was $4.0 million. How was he able to get drafted? I thought you had to spend. Man, I have no idea, but he's on this list of getting drafted. I thought you had to spend three years when it's, that's, okay. I think it's, I mean, well, this would this would have technically been his second year, so he was a sophomore. He didn't play much because he was injured. But I think in, I think in baseball, I think you can get drafted as a sophomore. Are those rules? I'm not as well versed on the baseball. If you go to if you go to a D1 college, you have to wait three years, and then you go. That's why a lot of guys go. Juco I think that's in football. I'm telling you, that's what it is. I'm telling you, baseball, you have to go for three years. That's why most guys go. Some guys go JUCO. Because Bryce Harper, that's what he did. He um, got his GED. He went to JUCO for two years, and that's how he got drafted at 18 years old. Well, JT again is on this list. <laughs> now, in basketball, uh, we added two transfers. Uh, Katerion Thompson out of Bowling Green. Um, she as a three-point shooting specialist, which we're going to need. And then as a, a freshman, we got Charlotte Cole from Germany. Um now, Coach Nikki said she was going to be bringing in some high-profile recruits, and boy, was she right. She's, she has committed two four-star point guards for the class of 2021, and Kenesha Godfrey and Maya Moore. So, you know, uh, two nice young ladies, uh, both athletic, both can shoot it, both are good defenders. I like these two commitments for our Lady Bulldogs as we start the Nikki. Um, McCray Pinson era off right uh, as far as recruiting wise, Jeremiah. Yeah, 
Man, it's good. It's good though. I'm gonna check on the JCGN thing. That's odd. I I did think he had to wait three years, so maybe they, it was a special rule because of just everything going on this year. So maybe so. But let's go to kind of our major topic for the day. We really wanted to discuss what was going on with I won't say Black Lives Matter, but with the protests and just really what's going on in the state of the world right now. So um, what I'm about to do is show a quick little clip. Why did you disable sharing? Um, hold on. Give me a second. All right. All right. So I'm going to play a couple of clues. Partnership with the police to show that the Yes. Man, it was an awesome sight to see that. I mean, it, you know, Starville, you know, it's not, it's not a big town, but they came out in droves. You had a lot of MSU officials out there supporting um, this protest and the Black Lives Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, it it warmed my heart to see uh, the president out there. Um, I mean, it, it's time for attitudes to change. You know, as far as how African Americans and all people are treated in this country, uh, we're all children of God, and uh, and under our um, quote unquote flag and anthem and constitution, we're all supposed to be created equally. But we know our history, and even now, uh, we have not been treated equally. It's time for the bill to come due to start treating all people all citizens in this country, all inhabitants of this country, as equal in the eyes of God and as human beings, Jeremiah. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, like, I guess the next question was like, um, do we want to see more? But I you know, think with this particular protest and start, but I don't know, it's just... It's just well, what I was lot, glad it was peaceful, uh, right? What? Um, so my thing is, like, with a lot of the protests, like I said, what I've been more encouraged by just world-wise is just I see a lot more just tangible actions being taken as far as like people talking about changing policies. The protesting is cool. That's, that's cool and everything. And it's cool everybody all unified, but let's be real. Some of the people really don't got anything better to do in some cases. So some people you know, not working right now. They're not, a lot of people, you know, whether it's furloughed, laid off, or they're working from home, they don't have as much to do. So, I mean, I think that's a lot of evidence. Everything is, like I said last week, and even some, I saw someone else say, uh, maybe yesterday, everything's kind of a confluence of everything. And, I do like the people are protesting at my universities participating things like that, but it's almost like you have to do stuff like that now. So I don't know if I, if I, you know, want to put too much stock in it, you know, cause if you don't do that, I mean, even if you don't say something, forget like those ignorant people who going against it. But if you're one of those people who don't even speak on it and you don't release even a statement, and then if your statement's not good enough, people have an issue with that. So it's almost, I don't know, man, it's crazy as far as, um, just with that, I mean, it's some I, in some way. I won't say I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime, but it does feel a lot different than normal as far as um, with Black Lives Matter and the movement. I see tangible changes now. I still feel there's a lot of things that need to happen, and even from the black person in, things that we have to do. But you are seeing people. Tend, it's, it's, as someone says, it's kind of a paradigm shift. 
And I do think that it's something that's at one point, you know, is it sustainable? But at this point, like it does like it's going to continue. Maybe a guy like Cap's going to get his job back or get a job in the NFL, you know, because I think for a while people didn't want Cap on their team because they say it was distraction or the fan unrest. But now a guy like Cap doing what he's doing, it's, um, it's weird that it's almost in vogue, you know, to be that way. So a guy like Cap is really no no reason to not have him on your squad. You don't you're not disincentivized from not having for having him on your squad. You haven't sent him to have him on your on your team. So I think that's something I think you're gonna see once the NFL season starts back. Um so I guess I kinda of answered one question, but Derek, do you think that I might have jumped a little head one second. All right, do you think this movement has kind of grown past just a wave, as we kind of mentioned last week? Last week, and for those uninitiated, a wave means it's the latest trend of what's going on. Right now. Um, no, I mean it, it is something that needs to be sustained uh, to, I guess you could say, force the change that we need in our society. Because if the protesting stops and nothing has been gained then what was the purpose of you protesting in the first place? Now I understand sometimes things takes time, take time, but this is some things that our community, local, city, town, state, and uh, national leaders can start the process now. I mean, you have monuments being removed. You got libraries being renamed. That's our will and good, but what is that going to do to stop the main problem? You got them. You have people calling to defund police, and you know I don't necessarily think that's the answer. Reform and holding officers accountable uh, when they do not follow proper procedure is a is a better start for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. And. Because I, there's there's other videos coming to light now of black men saying they can't breathe, officers not giving a damn about checking on their well being. You just worried about arresting them. You worried about getting them in cuffs, and then you were, oh oh, he's dead, oh he's dying. Well, he's gone now. You didn't treat him humanely. You know, everyone's not resisting when they move. Some people are are, are really trying to live or trying to survive the exchange with you. So, no, we still need to protest. Uh, we still need people to protest until uh, some sort of change has been enacted. Uh, not just this, not just giving us a nibble. We need a whole pork chop, you know, or, or a lamb chop or whatever piece of meat you want to eat. You know, we need more than monuments being renamed. Because I could give a damn about a monument being renamed. A monument's not going to shoot me. Uh, in cold blood while I'm unarmed. You know what I'm saying? A library rename is not going to help. It's not going to change anything. A school rename is not going to change anything. But if you reform and hold police officers accountable for their bad acts, you know, that's a change that needs to happen. And that's just my opinion. I think that's one thing. I think the thing is, is for true change to happen, it has to really, we have to really start. And this something that ain't going to happen just by enacting one law rule, but it's a start and it's the systemic racism, it's the little things like I mentioned last week, you know, being a black male in education, there's a lot of things that go on. I dealt with a lot of things in my career that's tough as being a black male. And a lot of my friends who are black males, including our co-host uh, AJ, he has dealt with the same challenges. 
being a black male in education. And then you look at some other arenas, just certain things, you know, like in football where you don't have as many black head coaches. Um, you don't, for a while, a guy like Lamar Jackson, he, excuse me, you know, people were saying he should switch to receiver, and now he's looking like he's going to change the game. People didn't even want to give him a chance. They were saying that he was a project. You know, this guy's already won the league MVP in two years. So it's those are the things that really we're still battling against, especially being black men, is that people just view you as a threat, whether you're doing something aggressive or you're being smart. And I think those are the things, and really like with our women and our kids, the systemic thing, I even can speak from the school system standpoint, either they're overly punitive with our kids or they coddle them. They don't really treat them as a true student, like the way they should be treated. And they're not being pushed the way they should be pushed um, to be great, to be phenomenal, to be those things. You don't see that within the school system. There's a lot of systemic things, whether you're talking about financial information, buying homes, uh, you know, voter suppression. There's a lot of things that have to be torn down. And a lot of times people are even getting called out for those little microaggressions. Now, now we're not talking about small things, but like the lady, Laura Ingraham, how years ago she told LeBron he needed to shut up and dribble like the most ignorant, the most <laughs> racist microaggression you probably could have telling a black man he needs to just shut up and dribble. Like, who do you think you are? And then when Drew Brees said something about the flag, like, oh, he has a right to an opinion. Really? Really? Really, really, really. So it's those type of things. It has to stop that point where, you know, we're allowed to just be us. Like, I think that's the main thing. I think I think somebody talks about what's equality and what's that and what's that look like. I think somebody said true equality is like we should be allowed to have our ability to be terrible at our jobs too. Like, I hate to say it, just being real. Like, <laughs> I mean. So be t- terrible at your job? And see, we had a right. There's a lot of white people that get to be terrible at their jobs and get to keep them. Like, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not really trying to be funny. I'm not. I'm. I'm I see. I see. I understand why you're laughing, but uh, I'm, uh, that's the sad part. Is really the truth. Like, we should. That's true equality when we get to be bad at our jobs too and keep them. You know, the saying. You know, growing up, a lot of people say if you're black, you got to be twice or three times as good. You see that. You know, I'm a teacher. I understand that. But at the same time, because honestly, I will say, I see white teachers, they're, they're not sometimes as strong, but they're allowed to sometimes even be praised, even though they're not even that great. Or or just in a lot of jobs, you see a lot of people that are white or anything like that, they're really not that good. and They get to keep their job. But if you're black, you have to almost be better than everybody. Just Five so times can, better, right? Yeah. Or, well, they say twice, but, you know, same difference. And just so you can keep your job or someone can view as competent. Like, people are always trying to say that you're not competent, even though you're always showing that you are. You could be a person working at a think tank or something. And it's like, they're trying to figure out if you're, you're competent. Like, really? I'm working at a think tank. Like, come on. So it's kind of, it's always foolishness like that where people are always questioning your ability. And I think that's the thing. People have to understand those microaggressions, those little things. Like, you're not allowed to be who you are. Like, it's kind of a couple years. And I'm sorry I'm being a little long-winded. But yeah. Richard Sherman you know, all those years ago with Aaron, Aaron, whatever her name is, uh, Aaron Andrews, you know, he made the come in and people got all outraged, but Despian wrote an article where basically said, you can't be black, talented, and confident or cocky. You can't be those. You can't be all three. You can be two of them. Like, you can be black and talented. Everybody's like, oh, look how talented he is. But as soon as you show any type of confidence or cockiness in some people's eyes, you know, there's something wrong with that. You can't just be but there's plenty of, honestly, white males or people that are different persuasions. They do that. They're 
um, what they are, they're good at what they do, and they're confident about it, like a Johnny Manziel type, anybody like that, and celebrate it. People love um, Baker Mayfield, but obviously he ain't winning with it. Johnny Manziel isn't in the league. So it's obvious that their cockiness or their persona costs their team wins, but no, you know, nobody says it. Now they want to say something wrong, but it was something wrong with it the whole time. So I think that's what you kind of have to uh, look at. All right, so it's kind of – I think uh, – do you have the tweet from Neil Cohen, um, Derek? No, I don't have the tweet. I have the the tweet from the, inter, the intercollegiate guy. Well, we, well, we didn't get into that one yet. Oh, wait, wait. So, so, fans, what I wanted to do is read – I guess I don't have the whole tweet. I don't know if she deleted part of it. Um, and it's kind of speaking to MSU, and I'm just saying I'm proud of this lady for saying this. Uh, Nell Cohen, who is John Cohen, our athletic director's wife, she said that lost some followers this week after supporting Black Lives Matter. So let's just rip this Band-Aid off. I'm Jewish by choice, proud parent of a transgender son. My daughter's boyfriend is black, and my son's girlfriend is Muslim. I adore them both. So I think essentially she's saying, you know, their family, just, just to wrap it in a tight bow, she's saying her family is fairly inclusive. Right. So she don't understand why everybody else is being all foolish about this stuff. Because, I mean, that is kind of a definite melting pot of a family where, you know, you're Jewish, your daughter is dating a black guy, you have a transgender child, and then I don't know if it's one of the same kids has a girlfriend that is Muslim. So that's, I mean, obviously they don't care. That's one of them. I know people say, oh, I have a black friend. And I, I, I think when you got all that going on, it's kind of hard for me to believe that it's like, the fact that your kids feel that comfortable, one of them's transgender, one of them's dating a Muslim, and one of them's dating somebody that's black. I mean, those are some vast extremes. Right. Well, I mean, I'm glad you brought that brought that up. I mean, it, it takes it takes courage to speak your mind in our society, especially with something so I guess you it shouldn't be divisive, but unfortunately it is for mm-hmm. a lot of people in our society. You know, we know our whole lives matter. But you know what? What the young lady said in the Mississippi State Women's video, all lives can't matter until black lives matter. So, you know, I, 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 I'm I thankful for you giving me that nugget that uh, Mrs. Cohen said, because I didn't know that. I, I didn't follow her. I'm probably going to go follow her now uh, so I can get some knowledge uh, if she chooses to speak her mind again. And just to learn more about our athletic director's family as far as the, the what makes up their family you know you can't have a closed mind and have the makeup of the family like you just described you have to open your heart and, and love you know and 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 I, I hate to be getting readers on this jesus loves us all black white puerto rican haitian uh lbtq it, it doesn't matter and so for her to speak her mind like that that just shows you uh that you know the 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 love of Christ that she has in her heart to say what she said and, and the follow that she lost so what oh got some I sorry about that she about to gain another one in me so I'm gonna replace one of those followers that she lost so Mrs. Cohen you have a following in me now so you know I'm proud that you said that thank you yes I am as well and I thought it'd be a cool little negative to add into context of what we're talking about right. Um, so, but let's kind of move on. This is probably the last little item of the day. Um, and it comes from an email from the Intercollegiate. I don't know, Derek, if you have that. Uh, uh, Not an email, but a tweet, I think, I guess it was. 
I see. Um, I have well, I don't have it on the computer because I ain't know we're gonna get to it, but I can read it. Uh, and and it's on Twitter. Uh, the page, the intercollegiate, recently sent a records request to Mississippi State for like Mike Leach's emails and text messages in the wake of tweeting a racist coronavirus meme, which happened months ago. You know, we're trying to get past that, but you want to bring this back up. Uh, now MSU wants to charge a prorated amount for Coach Leach's multi-seller to search his text. And the email that was responded, because your request includes a request for text messages from Coach Leach's personal cell phone, a portion of his estimated uh, salary includes the cost for Mr. Leach to search his phone to determine if there are any responsive messages that pertain to Mr. Leach's employment with Mississippi State. Based on a preliminary search, nothing was found. So I did a little digging up on this company, and they are a legitimate uh, media company, but they, they kind of look for inflammatory uh, stories, which, of course, in our society, uh, that, that's what people want. They want what would give clicks. And Mississippi State fans came out in full force to, I guess, you know, figure out what the intercollegiate was up to or whatever. Uh, I didn't necessarily know that he, they could, Mrs. State had the power to ask Coach Leach to, you know, share, share his personal email and phone, you know. So, and now if it was Mrs. State related, yeah, you know, we know what happened to a certain former old Miss coach who did dirt with, with state-funded phones. So, I mean, here's the thing. We know what's going on at Iowa. Saw so what happened at Utah. Um, is more of this going to come out? So I'm guess, guessing that's what this person was trying to pull with Coach Leach. I, I think with that one, and I'm going to get to the whole to catch a racist thing, but I think with Leach, they're kind of jumping down a rabbit hole that may not be there. Um, just from, And that's not me trying to just pump up Coach Leach because he's our coach or because he came on our show. I don't get that he would just make – flippant racing remarks. He don't strike me as that type of guy. Uh, he seems, I hate to put it this way, he seems a little smarter than me. So if he was to say something, I don't think he would have it documented or he would have it in his text messages for one. He probably would have deleted them by now. So I, I give him a little bit more credit than that. I don't think he'd be stupid enough to open himself up for that. Because I think what he, the news thing was tone deaf. It wasn't racist. So that's the first piece of that. We're trying to move forward. Uh, uh, that's that's yeah that's whatever but still I mean it would have been a bigger deal if uh it was a climate where people actually were like not quarantined but at the same time like I I I don't think he's a racist I think he's probably a hardcore Republican guy whatever but I don't think he's a racist and I definitely don't know if you have a lot of racists I mean he actually has and I hate to put it this way he has black people in important positions of having to actually use their head as far as in his leadership you know, and as an administrative team. So I think he wouldn't do that if he, he wouldn't have, a you know, a bunch of black people in his thing if he didn't think that black people were compassing anything like that. I think they're going down a whole a rabbit hole. Yeah. They're looking for something that ain't there. And that kind of goes I to my mean. overall question, chatting at the end. I kind of like, man, something me and AJ, and AJ even had said he felt like people going to crap out a little bit with the, the whole movement. It's like, I don't think, you know, with the Me Too movement, it's not me. I'm going to speak correctly on this. I think, I, I really love the movement of what it's doing and some of the guys and people that we definitely had to get it where, you know, women aren't getting sexually assaulted and different things weren't happening. 
but you don't want to turn it into where it turns into almost a witch hunt. We don't need it to, uh, I don't want it to be, even as a black American, I'm glad that we have awareness and things like that, but I don't think, I don't want people not having an opportunity to redeem themselves. Like you counsel them before they have an opportunity to learn, because it's kind of similar to what, I saw someone post on my Facebook, um, I'm a black American, I've grown up my whole life with my grandparents, different people teaching us some things, and we come from a fairly homophobic group of people. So I know a lot of us, if we were really being honest of how we were grew up and how we were raised, think about somebody that was a little different than us. So I don't want to be the same way for somebody that's probably never really had true interaction with somebody that don't look like us. I'm not talking about them super racist people who were white lives matter and kneeling. Uh, like simulating George Floyd, uh, Delft, and everything like that. Those are the people I'm worried about. But those people who, you know, just speaking, uh, you know, just being frank, you know, or providing context, you know, I go to a mostly white church and a church that's trying to move toward being multicultural. And I understand there's a lot of missteps and missing givings that a lot of people that are not from your culture just have about you. And I've seen that firsthand. So I kind of grown to understand that. And it is a challenge. Like, you do have moments where you're like, what? But at the same time, you got to give people that opportunity to grow. So I think that's the thing. I want people to have that opportunity. But if you just counsel them, basically, like, you go off the face of the earth. Now, I'm kind of what Charlemagne said some, may have been some years ago, or maybe it wasn't last year. He's always said he won't racism to come home with, like, a, I don't know if he said disease, but he said something to that effect. He almost won't racism to come like that thing. And I think that's what it's becoming. Being racist or saying even microaggressions is becoming not cool. People losing their jobs over this stuff. Leah Michelle, like I mentioned last week, she lost uh, endorsement over something she did seven, eight years ago. Did? So, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, Leah Michelle, the girl from Lee. So she lost lost an endorsement over something she did years ago in Glee and how she treated people. Oh, color. yeah, yeah. The bullying so, thing. Yeah, so, you know, but I'm sounding she's a But, uh, uh, but I think that's um kind of like the thing with it. You don't want to become like to catch a racist. You don't want to become like that. So there, I don't know. If you just want to add any additional thoughts on that? Um, no. I mean, I, I kind of spoke my mind on that. I mean, you know, if people would just treat people right, just drop the attitude that oh, that black person. I I was chatting in my chief's group. And this guy is upset that Patrick Mahomes is speaking out. And he was like, oh, just throw the ball. <laughs> so I was like, well, we started having a discussion with him. And then he's like, you know, he starts bringing up stuff about the flag. And I, and I said, well, bro, this ain't about the flag. So then I straight up asked him. I said, are you racist? I said, do you call black people the N-word? He says, well, no, I don't think I'm racist. I don't call people the N-word. Uh, he said, but he, he he feels like his children should be to be brought up the way that he was raised. I said, is that looking at people like me lesser? You want me in chains in your fields? You know what I'm saying? He's like, well, I, 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 I feel like I got white privilege and white supremacy. I said, just because you're white, you feel like you're supreme over me? I said... Uh, you shouldn't have a privilege over me just because you're white. I said, you know, that's the problem in this country anyway. 
we have overcome that as as a people. We've shown you that we contribute just as much to this society as white people have. You know what I'm saying? Black people deserve the same rights and privileges that white people feel they have. And so he he didn't he didn't respond after that because I, I guess he figured I had caught him. Like you said, I guess to catch a racist or whatever. I wasn't trying to do that. But he said he felt like he was white people were supreme supreme to black people. And I said, well, you may be supreme over me in something that you know how to do. I said, but there are things I can run circles around you and homie. So <laughs> and, and that's just that's based off your knowledge, skills, and abilities. You know what I'm saying? If you if your knowledge, skills, and abilities separate you from someone, that's fine. That's your ability to learn. But just because we have different skin tone does not give you supremacy over me. Does not mean you're better than me. Does not mean I'm lesser than you. So I mean, I know we kind of got off football, but you know, to talk about this 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 topic, it you know, it kind of hits home to me. I'm a person who has not really experienced or had a lot of direct racism shown at me, but I've heard plenty of stories. And I'm just I I'm just glad I haven't really had a lot of it directed at me because I'm a peaceful person. My posts on Facebook, I'm you know, I've been critical of the riders saying that, you know, I feel like we should be peaceful. Uh but I don't necessarily know what I'll do if I'm directly impacted in my face racism. I don't know if you saw that video of that young lady slapping that white lady who told her to go back to her country. And then she shoved her. And before she knew it, the young lady gave her a slap and the woman went out the store. And then her husband. I, I, I need people, and I don't mean to cut you off. I think people need to retire this in 2020. Please stop it all that. Go back to your country stuff. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I, I am from I am from Brooksville, Mississippi. I don't know nothing about no African. I'm not exactly. African. I don't know nothing about that. I'm not African American. I'm black. Like I'm in black. I don't look at it as a negative word. I'm, I'm not from Africa. Like I, I need people to stop that. My ancestors are from there. Matter of fact, my mom even did an ancestry test. They're from like uh, Ghana. They're from certain places. We even have some English and Filipino stuff in our background. I am not uh, from Africa. So please stop saying that. Stop telling people unless they're actually from Africa. Stop telling people to go back where they're from. So if you want to say that, I'm going to tell you go back to Europe. <laughs> um, you came here. So if you want to say that, please stop doing. It. We're gonna retire that in 2020. Stop telling people to go back where they're from. I am from Brooksville, Mississippi, from Phillips Loop. That is where I am from. So if you tell me to go back to my country, I'm like I'm already there. That's what I'm gonna tell you. So please stop that in 2020. I don't know why you think that's a good statement or anything like that. Trust me, we would have never left our country if you didn't steal us from there. So let's just go there. So let's just keep it 100 there at the end. All right. So. So I guess as we kind of close out. So Derek, you have any final thoughts um, before we close out the show? Uh no, this has been a very entertaining show. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I do want to say this: if you're listening, y'all don't hear that beep in the background. Jeremiah got a better for his smoke detector, y'all. <laughs> hey, COVID was finally over, man. So uh, I mean, I had to worry but... about that beeping no more. Yeah, I finally got that fixed after like four years or something like that. So, <laughs> I know Arthur probably gonna bring it up, but I I I got it first. <laughs> so that's all I got, man. Go ahead and close this out. Oh man, just uh, tell everybody just to be safe, man. Just I'm glad that the world is changing, even though I'm in the house and can't really participate in it. But the world is changing from afar, you know, being in Houston and everything like that. You know, 
doing for us late the rest here. But I'm just glad the world is changing, man. It's, it's just very exciting just to see that. And I just want to see how it continues to go and what changes ultimately will continue being made. But, you know, we can't say praise the Lord and go dogs, but um, I guess I'll just end by saying Black Lives Matter. Peace. <laughs> oh, wow.